0: Hi, I'm Amelia Richardson-Dress, Minister for Community Faith Formation here at UCC Longmont, and this is a podcast series, In Other Words, talking to kids about tough topics, where I interview experts about the hard things in parenting. It's a series-based podcast running about two months at a time, so for the next eight weeks you can find weekly episodes covering grief, discipline, end-of-life conversations, and the importance of encouraging lifelong curiosity. After each interview, a mini-episode from me will explore the faith context in more depth, and it'll give you some additional resources for parenting. My hope is that you'll find resources, ideas, and spiritual grounding to raise kids who have experienced God's expansive love and are committed to taking that love out into the world. This week I'm talking with Rev. Elsa Cook about grieving while parenting and about childhood grief. Elsa is an ordained UCC pastor, writer, and mom to two young children. Her three-month-old sat in on the interview, so if you're lucky, you may hear some baby noises in the background. Among other writing, Elsa has written for UCC publications and devotionals, including collaborating on Rise Up, Spirituality for the Resistance, which is a devotional for activists and changemakers. And I found Elsa in the blogging world, where she frequently writes about grief and the challenge of parenting after having lost her own mother at a young age. If you've ever struggled with how to parent while grieving or trying to help your child through grief or likely both of these things at the same time, Elsa is full of wisdom. So
1: you have written about uh, your unique grief of parenting after having lost a parent yourself. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if we could start by you telling us a little bit of your
2: story. Oh, of course. That, that it seems like a wise place to begin. Um, I was very young when my mother died. When um, when I was about four years old, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And these were this was in the days when we didn't really know what cancer was or how really it was treated. Um, but it was in the era of time when breast cancer was first becoming. Uh, thing it was before the pink ribbons way before the pink ribbons and uh, she died because it was pretty far along when it was discovered she died only two years later I was seven by then so I was uh, uh, quite young when it happened I was almost eight I have spent more time as a grieving person than as a, a child with a parent uh, uh, with a mother in particular um i've been blessed later in life with a step parent um mm-hmm. which didn't come that much later actually i was 10 when she entered into our family but it it that is part of the negotiation that i have now of not really knowing what it's like to have a mother because th- most of my life has been without one
1: yeah that is that is a um I would imagine that learning to parent with the addition of having a different role model as a stepmom would add a layer to that. And learning to parent is hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) True. I wonder um, about when you were a child and just coping with that kind of grief, what was helpful to you?
2: That's a really good question. I feel like such a nerd answering this way, but it's true. Uh, Church was really the place that was... The, the place of reprieve and welcome for me, it was the place where I was allowed to be honest about what I was feeling, where in most other spaces, including in my family, I was told, I was told to smile, I was told my mother wouldn't want me to be sad. I was told, not quite in these words, but to get over it. And she was the place where I was allowed to experience the, the the depth and breadth of, of what that felt like. The elders of the church that I grew up in were the people who were <laughs> most welcoming because they, they had known grief themselves. They had lost spouses and it was recent as it was for me. And they would allow me to be honest and, and nod and say, yeah, I know exactly how that feels. It hurts. And that was, was amazing to me to have people that were affirming and not denying of, of the the reality of the experience. I was I was able to feel things where, where other places it <laughs> was not allowed. So yeah, church.
1: I, I love to hear that. And I especially love to hear that because it seems like recently I've heard several stories from people who felt like church was less supportive than it could have been because People wanted to say things like, you know, kind of some of those spiritual cliches that can be hurtful. It was all God's plan or, you know, we just have to be grateful for the time we have or, you know, the list that we sometimes hear. And so I love that that is not what you got.
2: Yeah. And it is a familiar list. I I, I found in in my last that that list was offered more commonly from people that were what we would now call spiritual but not religious. Uh, um, they were the people who didn't actually go to church but thought that these were the things that you were supposed to say. Whereas the people in church, in my experience, were, were honest. <laughs> like, this sucks, is is the sort of resounding honesty that I got.
1: Even as a kid, that was yeah.
2: helpful, which
1: to- is Yes. A great lesson for us to know.
2: Well, and I think we, we are so quick to forget that kids see through us as adults. Like, they they recognize and have wisdom of their own that are quick to discard, but kids, kids know. Kids know instinctually of, you know, when something hurts or how how complex something can feel they might not have the vocabulary for it and that's where adults can be especially helpful but they oh yeah. like there is there's wisdom there there is there's feeling there that kids as young as eight or nine or 10 are experiencing.
1: I think that is a really good point And so being authentic as opposed to trying to have the answers yes I
2: like the people that told me that they had the answers right. I wonder what you think
1: contributed to your resilience. I mean, when I read some of the things you've written, um, you're just very in touch with that grief and you share that in a way that's really helpful to other people.
0: Mm.
1: Do you think there's something in particular
2: that
1: uh, just helped you grow in a way that you could share that?
2: I I, I, don't, I honestly don't know if something it's, it's something you build or it's something that it's just inside you. I tend to think or I want to think that it it is something that is offered to you. I tend to think that or I have a desire to to believe that the people that surrounded me as a young child were giving me this gift of imagining that there could be life beyond this tragedy. But I I can't point to you exactly where that happened.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think that's a great answer and an honest one. And I think it is true that it it builds. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are there traditions or rituals that were helpful to you either as a kid or as an adult as you've, your grief, you've continued to experience it throughout your life?
2: Um, And it has changed as, as I have grown as a younger person, honoring the anniversary and whatever that meant was really important to me. It's still important to me. But as a young person, it meant that I, you know, very deeply feeling, I would sit in the dark, I would light a candle when I was old enough to do that, and I would write a letter to my mom. And I, you know, I remember doing that year after year after year. Maybe there was something before the candle, but <laughs> I don't remember. As I got older, I started to include other people into the honoring of my mom's anniversary in seminary. So I was in my 20s then. Um, I invited a group of friends to have uh, ice cream social with me. <laughs> my mom's last meal with me was a, a chocolate ice cream. And uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was the last thing that I fed her while she was in the hospital. It is something I do not like consequently to this very day. So I, in, I told the story with my seminary peers, close peers. Um, and said, um, so here, here's something that I, I don't really enjoy. I'm going to have the vanilla, but here's the chocolate. <laughs> uh, let, let's feast. And so it was a breaking of the fast in, the, in a way that was really powerful. Other years, there's been, there have been a lot of years where I've gone to a place where just a beautiful place and and looked out at the sea or the mountain. And usually that is with someone else. But there's something about seeing landscapes that are bigger and broader that has been important to me. And then there are the wonderful church traditions. See, I I am a nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I love All Saints Day. It is the one, one time of year where we, as a church, will allow ourselves to really mourn in our liturgy. <clears throat> and calling upon, I, I'm, I get really frustrated with pastors when they say it's only for the past year of people who have died. I think we should call upon all the saints and and really feel that expression of loss because it, it takes years for us to recover and build that resilience and imagine what this person means to us and how this continues to, to um, define who we will be as Christians never mind as people. But I also think that Advent, which quickly follows that, has some of the familiar echoes of longing and desiring of hope. And so when, you know, we turn the pyramids to blue or purple in some churches, um, it, and there is that sense of of waiting and expectation that that is a familiar pattern for me. Mm. And Tend to experience my grief more deeply at, the, at, the, at that time of year yeah
0: do you find the
1: services like a longest night or a blue Christmas type oh. service is that helpful for you at that time of year just because you mentioned <laughs> yes
2: I love the longest night yes I think that they are wonderfully powerful and that is another opportunity that I think we've given each other in experiencing that grief more more honestly like we recognize that that time of year is hard for people, and we have built in this new tradition, which I think is such a gift. Yeah, one of the things that bugs me about it is that we don't. We tend to have it at dinner time when kids are not around, and I think it's important for kids to experience that that ritual of being in the midst of loss and recognizing that it's hard for them too. Like they're, they're aware that grandpa or grandma or whoever is not at that table, if they're old enough to remember her or him. Um, But I I think including children in that, I think it's really important to recognize that they they have some familiarity with this loss, even if they don't talk about it in the same way that we do.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And maybe some of the gift of the All Saints Day then service, Mm -hmm. um, if kids are in the service for it, is that they experience that. I know your kids are younger still, but what do you imagine telling your kids about uh, your mom, or you know, just the loss in general?
2: Yeah, I don't know. My my kids are currently two and three months, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it is not yet appropriate, really, for me to share extensively. But like, they don't understand that I had a mom. Because they don't understand that I have a mom. Like, that, that concept is beyond that age. Never mind that my three-month-old is not going to understand anything. So, you know, I have to wait until they understand that I can have a parent to, to then go into, I had a parent who died. So now I think it's just the very subtle things of just mentioning her. It's just making it normal. For the moment, uh, there's a picture of her in their, in their room. And that, that's enough for right now where I can point to it and say, you know, that, that's mommy for me and, and can be there in that way. But I don't know. I don't know, how, I don't know how it's going to evolve. I think it has to do with the personality of my kids, which is still forming. You know, if they're deeply feeling, then I'll approach it one way. If they're not, then I'll do it another. I, I have no idea. It's hard to anticipate. <laughs> It is. That's how I would imagine being. And there's so much,
1: just like you said, there's still so much to see about how their personalities develop. I wonder then, and I know that this is, is similar and that your kids are young, but so far, how do you, how has your experience of, of living with loss of your mom affected your own parenting?
2: Oh, I think it affects it all the time. Even being pregnant was I think even harder in in being aware of my loss. My mom died not too soon after, you know, we were born. And to not be able to have that that connection to her and being able to talk to her about what that experience was like, because there's no one else in the world that would really understand what my body was going through than the one who carried me. Mm -hmm. Um, so... That, that was that was really bizarre to, to think about what her experience was in carrying me and to not get that way to talk to her. That was really challenging. Um which continued right into the, the birth. I wanted to be able to talk to her about the birth. Like what, what was that experience like? What should I expect? What what in the world? <laughs> and now I mean it's more more familiar in that I miss my mom on, on the, the big days, you know, like my daughter's going to turn two next month and it's, you know, it's another birthday that she won't be there for, you know, Christmas is coming. It's another holiday. She is not going to be present for, I think it's that I, I there, there are probably moments that, that surprise me. No, there definitely are moments that surprise me in the midst of parenting, but they're so tiny, right. That you don't, no you don't even recognize that that it's happening is there advice that
1: you have for people who are parenting while grieving and and i'm thinking that may be a more recent loss or it maybe something farther in the past like yours
2: mm. i'd say i just say be honest be honest with yourself and be honest with your kids as, as much as you're able to be I, I think kids kids know you know that just as my two-year-old knows when I'm upset, um, like she recognizes that I'm angry or I'm sad. Kids register that even if I don't tell her that I'm angry or sad, she knows and she comes up and cuddles next to me. And I think I think it's okay to tell her in that moment of, you know, I miss my mommy. And she might not understand what that means, but to be able to say it is healing for me as much as it is for her.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really great advice. And it goes back to what you said about your church community being the place that could be authentic for you in that grief. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I, I think it's important that we help our kids learn how to grieve rather than trying to shield them from it because they're going to experience it.
2: Yeah. 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 So many people experience grief so differently. Like there's no one way. And then for children, though, though we talk about in adults, there's stages and cycles and whatnot. Kids don't experience grief that way. It's a blip here and a blip there. And it sort of ricochets all over the place until it doesn't, and then it starts again. But just being able to be present with that constant stream and recognizing that even if you're experiencing grief one way, your child is experiencing it in a totally different way, and that's okay. Just like the... You know gentleman that sits beside you in the pew is experiencing loss in his own way, whereas you are experiencing it in a totally different way because your stories are different, your connection is different. All of these things are a blessing if we're able to listen to each other and learn from each other.
1: Yeah. Part one of the things that's so unique about your your perspective is that you've you are a pastor and so you've also walked with people through grief. And so I wonder what's been surprising to you, if anything, as you've you know, kind of traveled with people, but also reflected on your own journey through grief and, and experiencing the lot different stages of your life.
2: Um, well, it's the reason I went into ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I received enough of those messages that you were mentioning earlier, um, that I was really tired of that, and I didn't really want anyone to experience that ever again. So I thought, you know, I could go into the ministry and I just change it all. Uh, that's not how ministry works, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it is—it is my favorite part of my job. There are there are pastors that love uh, weddings. I'm the pastor that loves funerals. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to walk with a family through or an individual through the dying process into how we tell that story on the other side is so meaningful to me and so, um, sounds weird, but exciting to to be able to, um, be present to each other and be honest about, you know, family is quirky and sometimes people don't have the best qualities, either later in life or in the midst of life. And to be honest about those quirks as much as be honest about how much it hurts afterward I think is it's just so awesome to be able to give that space to people. I I can't imagine any other kind of work. (laughs) Is there
1: anything that you wish that I had asked or anything else that you would add to our conversation?
2: There are so many wonderful things that are coming out right now um, about parenting and I I don't know that any of them, although I have pre-ordered a bunch of <laughs> books recently, talk about grief in particular while parenting. But I'll be curious to see. But there is a book that just came out uh, called Bless This Mess by um, Molly Besquet and Ellen. I don't remember her last name. Anyway, uh, Molly is a pastor and a UCC pastor, and Ellen was her congregant and is also a therapist. But one of the things that they talk about in this book is to um, recognize, they use a, a line from Proverbs to extol this, but to recognize that your, your task as a parent is to uh, walk with your child and wait and see what sort of wonder they will become. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much to mold them. And that has really stuck with me as I've, I've thought about my own grief from um, being a young person to, to present what has really been most helpful for me is those that have walked with me rather than telling me what to think or feel or how to be or act it's really those people that listen that really made a difference and i, I think that piece of wisdom is really helpful in thinking about how to parent as well um that you're you're not you're not going to have all the answers. You're never going to have all the answers, but you can always listen. And that, I, that's to me, that's really freeing as a parent I'm with two young people that I'm constantly afraid that I'm doing something wrong. But <laughs> <Right. laughs> that greatest gift that I can give my children is is an open heart and open ears. is is really freeing to me.
1: That is really freeing. I love that. And I know um, you've written a bit on your blog, is it cookingwithelsa.org? Okay. And I'll link to that when we get this up too, because I know people will want to check it out themselves. If you have a minute though, tell me um, tell me a little bit about the book you are working on.
2: Sure. Um, it, it is a big work in progress, um, but I'm getting to the end of my writing. I hope. Um, <laughs> um, it has ended up being a memoir, which has surprised me. I had originally started out trying to write a very how to approach um, how you talk to children about grief. And instead, the best that I can do in offering that perspective, I, I don't want to say wisdom because I'm not sure that I have wisdom in this entirely, <laughs> um, is to offer my own story and to point to other resources that are out there about how we talk to kids about this complex thing that we as adults don't know how to talk to each other about. So it, it's been really interesting to, to, to dive into my own story, but to also realize how many people have influenced me, which I think is why I keep going back to that wider circle of people that have listened to me. it's really surprising to remember how the school nurse played such a part in my grief, to remember Mm -hmm. that it wasn't just church people, but the various clergy that were in my life. There were a series of clergy as a young person that were willing to sit down with me and take me out for pizza and talk, and it, it goes on and on as to all the other people that were... So wonderful and so generous with their time. Um, so I, I'm hoping that I will move forward and actually having space to write with a three-month-old. It's a little challenging, um, <laughs> um, and, and complete this because I, I would love to have more conversations like this to offer space for us to talk about how, how we do this. Because it's not me that has all the wisdom. I think that there's more wisdom out there, and the more we share, the more we will discover
0: so that's it for this week's interview it was such a gift to talk to Elsa and I hope that it was a gift for you as well one of the things that you heard Elsa and I talk about is some of those uh, spiritual insights that accidentally become cliched or even harmful when they're used to minimize somebody else's grief without giving enough space for the person to just experience what they're going through. And so next week, I want to spend a little bit more time on that and the idea of what's sometimes called spiritual bypass, which is expecting that our spirituality will allow us to kind of get by the hard things in life. And I'll offer some some resources for how we might talk to kids and adults when they are going through a time of grief. Thanks so much for listening.